Transforming care through genomic medicine, personalized therapeutics, health services and outcomes research, and innovations in healthcare delivery. We're Children's Mercy Kansas City, presenting our audio interview series, Transformational Pediatrics, with host Dr. Michael Smith. Today's topic is bone marrow transplant for the treatment of rare diseases. My guest is Dr. Rakesh Goyal. He's the Section Chief of Bone Marrow Transplantation and Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Missouri, Kansas City School of Medicine. Dr. Goyal, welcome to the show. Thank you, Dr. Mike. It's a pleasure to be on your show. So let's tell us a little bit. I know that you're new to the, the Children's Mercy Bone Marrow Transplant Program. Um, wh- what are you, as the Section Chief, what are your goals for the near and far future for the program at Children's Mercy? Um, I am tremendously excited to be part of Children's Mercy Institution. Um, I consider this as a family, and uh, I had worked in this field for quite a while. Uh, In fact, in my prior institution, uh, I worked on a number of new areas that are highly promising to cure children with these rare diseases with transplantation. And one of the reasons that I came here was that Children's Mercy, uh, in terms of uh, its vision, uh, its capability, and its research platform offers tremendous opportunity for me to build on my expertise and take this program forward. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, transplantation, specifically bone marrow transplantation. How has the procedure, in your opinion, improved over the last few years? Uh, Yes, uh, I think uh, uh, we... uh, so the main excitement in the field is that uh, transplant is no longer indicated just for children um, or young adults uh, who have uh, cancer or leukemia, uh, the former diseases which otherwise could be life-threatening or life-taking. But there are these uh, new diseases uh, and some old diseases which themselves are not like cancer or leukemia, but uh, have grave implications for quality of life of patients and sometimes uh, do shorten the lifespan of these patients. So uh, the community uh, and uh, researchers such as myself have uh, applied uh, transplantation as a way to fix or cure these patients from these diseases, and the list just keeps expanding. So uh, what has made that possible is a shift in the mindset of the transplant doctors and researchers that we don't need to treat uh, these patients as if they have leukemia because we were giving them a ton of chemotherapy, sometimes a lot of radiation to make transplant work. Now, what we have realized is that if the patient doesn't have leukemia, they have a missing gene product or they have a missing factor that makes them not feel well or be terribly unhealthy, like a weakness in the immune system, then we can do a more of a precision transplant. And there, we do not use to, we do not do, we, we no longer use one-size-fits-all approach. We actually customize what a patient is going to get for transplant recipe. That way, the patient sees less toxicity, there are, late, there are less long-term side effects, and we are trying to preserve quality of life, including for a child, their growth, their development, right. and hopefully ability to have children themselves later on to start a family. How exciting, right? Because now, and, and so what you just said about the list just keeps growing on the things that you can treat and even cure through transplantation is is just going to continue to grow. Because you've really opened up the window, haven't you, um, uh, with what you're doing now to, to really uh, make an impact on diseases that we really didn't have many options for in the past. Is that right? 
That is true. So uh, there are several examples. Um, one large example is the, the community of children um, who are affected by uh, sickle cell disease in which they, the red blood cells that make hemoglobin, which carries oxygen and that is the engine for life, uh, is defective. And that makes them terribly sick with a variety of uh, organ system issues, uh, pain, poor quality of life, sometimes even infarcts and strokes as, as, as a child. Um, then there is thalassemia, in which the patient is uh, transfusion-dependent for the rest of their life and then eventually may lose their life to iron overload. And then um, the other very exciting field is uh, babies who are born with a weak immune system or uh, what's called bubble boy syndrome, um, wherein their immune system is so weak that if somebody has a cold, that cold could prove lethal for them. And then states are starting to now do newborn screening. So that is another big development, meaning uh, on that filter paper spot from newborn heel stick, now the list of diseases that can be diagnosed at birth before the child has even symptoms keeps growing. And then some of them are really transplantable. So the one big category, uh, even though it's rare, um, but highly curable, is that category of uh, immune deficiency, also called SCID. And then third large category is patients who have these uh, terrible uh, diseases they are born with uh, called inherited metabolic diseases. And these include uh, Hurler syndrome, which can be eminently cured with transplant. And then some diseases for which transplant should be considered as a research modality of treatment, but highly promising. And those include diseases such as Crabbe's disease, uh, some forms of metachromatic leukodystrophy. And I can go on and on. Right, right. Yeah, so what about the process or the procedure itself? You know, when, you know, it wasn't that long ago, um, Dr. Goyle, that when when you heard the word transplant, um, whether it was bone marrow, stem cell, whatever, you were, it was, we all thought of allergenic transplant, right? Where there's a donor, it's usually a sibling. Um, there was always that, the, 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 the rejection that we had to deal with. So what, where, where, where do we stand with the types of transplants? Um, uh, are we moving away from allergenic? Are we are we looking more at um, you know the stem cell of the of the patient? I mean, where where do you see that going? The actual procedure. Um, great question, Doctor Mike. In fact, uh, um, we we still use or like to use a donor for majority of these types of transplant because if you use their own cells, you can't fix the defect that they have that. Uh, a lot of time they're born with. Um, however, uh, the choice of donor, uh, that menu has expanded tremendously. So oftentimes we had to and continue to find a donor outside the family, given the American family size and structure. And uh, therein come challenges for patients uh, who may be from an ethnic minority or they may have a family background that is relatively uncommon or maybe mixed then we always struggle how to find a good or perfect match. Now, uh, there are two major developments in that field, and we actually are actively participating in both. One of them is umbilical cord bloods. So these are not the stem cells uh, as we think of stem cells as in fetus. These are blood and marrow stem cells, and they are incredibly powerful. They are, they are turbocharged, and they work extremely well. So the field of doing transplant from cord blood has taken off in a very good way, especially for children. And then last but not least, uh, haploidentical transplants, meaning 
um, if you can't find a brother or a sister or you can't find a suitable cord blood, then what do you do? Well, there is always a parent oftentimes too. So now we actually have tweaked and developed. Uh, there are pioneers, recent pioneers who have actually perfected that technique. And I have no hesitation in actually calling up a mom or dad or a brother who is not even matched mm. and use them. So we actually uh, are moving to a field where anybody who needs a transplant, especially a child, would have a donor. So that is extremely exciting. Wow, yes, that's really exciting. It must, uh, Dr. Goyal, it must be very exciting for you personally to be at, at the forefront of such an exciting field with so much potential. Um, you know, just, just for the last question, give us your own personal opinion about where you really see you know, transplantation going into the future. I know you, you hit on a lot of things already, but just kind of summarize for us what excites you about the technology. Um, I think uh, uh, the main, uh, even on my, uh, even in my practice time over the last nearly two decades, uh, it's so gratifying to see that children don't get as sick when they're going through transplantation. That is not always the case. If you have a child with leukemia who already has had a lot of treatment, that's different. But the majority of time, uh, so our, our focus right now is to make transplant as safe, uh, as non-toxic, and preserve the quality of life uh, for later on so that these uh, transplant survivors, having beaten their underlying terrible disease, can have normal life experiences and can be gainfully employed and go to college and do all the good things. So I see uh, the field of transplantation uh, in terms of continuing to improve and fine-tune. And it's sort of, I believe it's going to be personalized. And uh, with the discovery in genomic medicine and how we know everybody's metabolism and body works, we'll be able to actually come up with a recipe, no longer one one size fits all no longer one big bang type of an approach. Yeah, very exciting stuff. And um, Dr. Goya, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And thank you for all the work that you are doing. It really is exciting uh, to see what Children's Mercy is doing and and how exciting it is for you to now take over the reins there. Uh, Good luck to you at Children's Mercy. Uh, You're listening to Transformational Pediatrics at Children's Mercy, Kansas City. For more information, you go to childrensmercy.org. That's childrensmercy.org. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.